All right, welcome back to Money Talk, and it is time to check in on the land of the rising sun. We welcome back to the show John Barron, the Vice Chair of Research at the Asia Development Bank Institute, to talk Tokyo and beyond. Good morning, John. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm great. Very, very ganky today. So, uh, big story out of Japan today. Uh, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot happening in Japan, but I think something that really caught a lot of people off guard was this uh, news of the arrest of a pharmaceutical executive who was arrested for spying. Uh, what is the reaction to that in Japan right now? Yeah, well, I think it's uh, a new story. And I think the issue that it would have for Japan um, would be to dis discourage investment. Um, and this is something that is obviously not wanted at the current juncture. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's kind of a strange one. I mean, people's minds are going to go back to the uh, the Australian Rio Tinto executives getting arrested when China was having a bad time with uh, with Australia. The the two Michaels uh, who were in detention for a very long time uh, when the whole thing was going on with Huawei. But I mean, is Things haven't been great between China and uh, and Japan lately, but I mean, what's what's the what's the pic what's the big picture there? Well, I think there are great efforts to improve, uh, you know, efforts on cooperation at the regional and the global level at the moment. And you know, these types of instances don't help that, of course, and it's magnified um, by external uh, problems that we see in terms of the global economy. So. Um, you know, the, the real issue around it is the uncertainty that it can cause um, on the economic side on investment and basically derailing um, efforts that we've seen on uh, cooperation at the regional and the global level. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so, so and what, what is happening in the broader, I mean, in terms of uh, international interaction, what is happening with the Japanese banking sector uh, in terms of responding to the, uh, you know, the banking stories that have been leading our, our, our headlines for the past two, couple of weeks? Yeah, well, the big story of the last couple of weeks, of course, was the collapse of SVB uh, in the U.S. Um, and the other problems with Credit Suisse, which was taken over by UBS, of course. Sure. Um, now, Asian markets have, of course, um, had, have had some repercussions in relation to this. Heightened uh, global market uncertainty has led to some equity outflows, for example. But to a large extent, I think um, Asian markets and the Japanese uh, financial market in particular has been largely resilient to, to these uh, global effects and you know there are different um, dynamics at play in the, in the Japanese banking sector for example uh, related to ample levels of uh, capital and liquidity um, and on top of that there's a, a much different uh, nature of, of uh, depositor in the, in the Japanese banking sector which makes it a little bit uh, less likely to experience the type of events that we've seen in the US However, there are some lessons to be learned, of course. Um, SVB was um, holding large uh, quantities of U.S. Treasury, which has had to sell at a loss due to the rising interest rates in the U.S. Now, Japanese banks, of course, will hold, hold large quantities of Japanese bonds, uh, which could be subject to um, you know, changes in prices if the Japanese um, monetary policy is tightened by a significant amount. Um, so. There are lessons here, I think, for diversity of uh, holdings within the banking sector. Right, and I mean, uh, the Bank of Japan's got a new governor, and he comes, uh, he, he rocks up and uh, takes over the, the joint, so to speak, on uh, April 9th. Uh, I mean, you're talking about interest rates making a big, making a big impact on Japanese banks. Uh, what are we expecting from the new Bank of Japan governor? 
Well, certainly at the moment, we don't uh, expect any change in the, the current um, trajectory of monetary policy. Um, you know, inflation is remaining at an elevated level in Japan, but to a large extent, we, we still see that as being uh, supply-driven um, on energy and food. There is some spillover to underlying inflation, which creates some uncertainty in terms of inflation expectations. But on top of recent developments uh, at the global level, which increased global market uncertainty, um, it's, it's highly unlikely that we will see uh, a change in uh, the trajectory of monetary policy for, for, for the current juncture, at least. Um, you know, as you said, the, the new governor will assume office on, on 9th of April, and um, one of the close um, points of attention will be on developments in wages, which, of course, you know, what, what, what happens with wages will be crucial to what we see for monetary policy going forward. Um, I don't know if you've been keeping track of it, but the large companies have agreed wage increases of around 3.8%, so more or less cancelling inflation that we see at the moment. Um, but the big question is whether small firms will be able to uh, offer increased wages over the longer term. And that's the real key issue because, of course, the bulk of employment is by the small firms around 70%. All right. Well, since you asked, yeah, we did. I think we t we did we definitely talked about it on the show. We took note of the big the big wage increase. Uh, and so you're saying that uh, you know, given it's going to be another year before we have those kinds of uh, wage negotiations again, that what we need to watch for now is ripple effects through the economy down to smaller companies. Have I got it right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the issue on inflation is that it's driven on the supply side rather than by domestic demand. And one way to um, generate domestic demand-driven inflation is by increasing wages. Now, of course, firms were uh, reluctant to carry, carry through wage increases because they, they believed that the inflation was transitory, supply-side-driven, and it would eventually dissipate. But what we're seeing now is that there is some spillover um, of the inflation that we see in energy and food to other parts of the economy, and this is triggering uh, wage rises, which can then uh, lead to uh, domestic demand-driven inflation, and then that would allow for some uh, adjustment in monetary policy over over the over the next uh, medium term, if it uh, if it generates domestic demand-driven inflation. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, you talk about energy and food. You know, I, I could I have to admit I took note of this. Uh, this uh, this story that the Japanese were like discovering uh, alternatives to eggs. They're selling like scrambled eggs, except for it's made from fish, uh, a minced Alaska pollock, and other things. Have you have you picked up on this yet? We we reported a, a couple of weeks ago that a lot of egg items were getting dropped from menus. I mean, it seems a little bit wild. Yes, I mean I've I've seen this story. Um, I think that there are two factors driving this. Uh, you know, shifts that you described. One is the shortage, and the other is on uh, the, the the price rise that we see uh, in this uh, food component. And this is triggering some innovation in terms of how um, you know how the economy can react to that uh, to basically address the, sh the the supply shortage and also to deal with the the price rise. And that's you know something that's. Uh, happened in the recent weeks, I think. Well, got, it must be longer than that, actually. Gotcha. We've got one minute left. Uh, I'm going to give you a choice. TSMC's investment in Japan or the Toshiba takeover. I didn't know Toshiba was in that much trouble. Which one do you want? Well, TSMC, I think, is an interesting story. 
Um, so the investment has materialized over the last few months, I think. Um, and it can be very important for triggering a reinvigoration of the, uh, you know, the semiconductor industry in Japan. And, you know, this can be very important from, from the perspective of employment and, and competitiveness of, of this sector, which was large in, in Japan, uh, you know, historically. And it, it can be important for, uh, for, for the future. Yeah, seventeen hundred jobs. I mean, that's that's going to be a big one. So uh, we'll definitely watch the rollout of that as the world's kind of the world's chip makers kind of line up on two sides of a divide, and uh, Japan and Taiwan working more closely on that front. So thank you very much. Uh, always appreciate getting the view from Japan from John Barron, Vice Chair of Research at the Asian Development Bank Institute.